and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the authentic Matt. Hello there. So, Matt, we are talking about Extremis this week. We are. We are. Uh, I watched it this morning. Mm. It's taken me all week. <laughs> I, I had a serious case of the... Uh, the can't be bothered this week. Mm, well, let's hope that doesn't translate into uh, the episode itself. But Because uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know about you, I've been looking forward to our little chat this week. I always look forward to our little chat. Uh, I think... Um, I always look forward to talking to you, but I'll, I'll save my opinion on the episode till later. Mm, I think that's probably wise. Um, <clears throat> so, do we need to start with an apology this week? Uh, let me just check the docket. Hold on. We are starting with a celebration this week, David. Mm. We're celebrating. Are we? Why are we celebrating? We are celebrating. We have just passed 10,000 downloads for the pod. Are you sure this shouldn't be an apology? (laughs) The amount of time we've wasted. (laughs) Yeah, okay. We could, could, you know. Uh, I feel really bad, like, because... Uh, the, the the thing is, it's it's just in my nature to be incredibly self-deprecating. Like, it, it genuinely boggles my mind that anybody is listening to this. Yeah. Um, but like, they are. We, we say it all the yeah. time. We are just two men in our spare bedrooms just having a chat. Yeah, that's, that's literally all that's happening here. Um, but, I mean, it's so lovely. Thank you to every single one of you. Uh, even a thank you to the people who downloaded the first episode, listened to five minutes and thought, nah, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> they all count, don't they? They, they all get those figures up. They do. And at the end of the day, they gave us a shot. They quite yeah. rightly assumed that this was not going to be worth the effort for them. <laughs> yeah. Moved on with their lives. Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see the total time <laughs> spent people have like, yeah. listened to and where people have dropped out. Oh, I, th- I think you've got to pay for the upgrades for those kind of stats. Yeah. Well, anyway. We're not doing that. Yeah. Let's get a shift on and celebrate. <laughs> I'm celebrating with a big cup of tea. I'm celebrating with a room temperature can of Fosters. Oh, wow. Really living that high life. Yeah. Had a few beers last night. This is one of the one of the survivors. <laughs> one of the dregs. Yeah. Um. Well, anyway, yeah, no, that's true. That's, it's wonderful and uh, baffling in equal measure, that. that. Who, who, who do you want to thank specifically? Um, you know what? I will specifically thank all of our listeners who are active on Twitter and, and that, that I've interacted with on occasion because I, I've never really used Twitter before um, doing this podcast. Like, I had an account for many years, but I didn't really touch it. Um, and it's kind of brought me out of my Twitter shell a little bit. Not very much. I still post once a fortnight, but um, it's been really lovely. It's it's And if any of you out there, loyal listeners who maybe haven't really got involved on, on, on Twitter, um, you should join us. It's fun. Yeah, I mean, it's... Matt, Matt, Matt does a lot more on there than me, but... Uh... Yeah. It's mainly me just posting a stream of consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> you post on it far more than your than your personal account. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, it's pretty much superseded that at this point, hasn't it? Pretty, pretty much, because like, whenever I put anything on my personal account, all my real friends are like, Shut up, Matt! <laughs> Whereas on, on this one, I don't know, people seem to like the pod. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, a, a, a lovely thing. A lovely thing indeed. Um, so, well then, uh, where do it, you want to start this week, Matt? It's fine, I didn't want to thank anyone. Thanks for asking. We'll just oh, move okay. On. Yeah, I thought it's best we move on. No, go on, who do you want to thank, Matt? Uh, I would like to thank, let me think. Uh, first and foremost, I think we have to thank Married to Who. I think... Half ah. of those ten thousand probably come from their recommendation. <laughs> Easily, thank yeah. The the, the shout outs on on their pod it, yeah. it really has made um, a difference. So, and I think off the back of that, probably the companion piece podcast too. They're usually mm-hmm. very kind towards us. Yes. Uh, yeah. Who else? Our friends at the Cloister Bell podcast. They're they're yeah. basically the pod I aspire to be. Um, yeah, it's it's really lovely how you have embraced the. The Doctor Who podcast community, even though you do not like Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, I like, I like the Doctor Who podcast people, just don't really like the show itself. I'll be uh, honest, I, I do think Doctor Who podcasters are kind of the the creme de la creme of Doctor Who fandom. Yeah. It, it, overwhelmingly, they are lovely, positive people. Yeah, you In, know. on that note, I would recommend the We React podcast. Uh, they they usually like and share our tweets. I, I quite like their podcast mainly because they don't always talk about Doctor Who. Uh, yeah, they cover quite a range of stuff on that on that feed, don't they? Yeah, the Who Can Convince You podcast. They're usually quite kind, quite friendly towards us. Mm-hmm. I've chatted with those guys a few times. Uh, My Adventure in Space and Time. Give that a listen. That's a relatively new one. Yeah, I'm I enjoying. If that we one can help them the way that other pods helped us in the early days, that'd be good. Um, and Marty McLean. <laughs> I'd like to thank him for uh, inspiring me to just be a better person. It really is quite quite the bromance blossoming between you two at this point, it seems like. It, it is so weird, because like, uh, I did actually write a list of people to thank, mm-hmm. and most of them, just like, never met them, but consider them quite good friends. Yeah, it's a funny old thing, podcasting, isn't it? Funny old yeah. thing. Um, you know what? I, you, a couple of the ones you mentioned on there, Married to Who and Companion Piece, um, they had a bit of a um, Marvel-style team-up recently. Yeah. Um, I, and I will really recommend this one. Um, if you're not familiar, Married to Who, in addition to their main... Um, their main episodes uh, with the full gang going through New Who. There's also the spin-off Brothers in Who, um, which is Jake and his his brother going through Classic Who. And they've been doing all the 60s companions, doing an episode on each of those. And they recently teamed up with the Companion Piece podcast to do a ranking of 60s companions. And as I said on on Twitter, when they when they, after they'd shared that episode... It was genuinely the highlight of my week. Oh, that's good to hear. It it was a really fantastic listen. Just four very enthusiastic people talking about a really, you know, special era of Doctor Who. Um, Yeah, great listen. I I, I want somebody to organise it. Every time I'm on Twitter, everyone 
that I talk to from other podcasts are like, oh, I can't wait. We'll do we'll do a big podcast. We'll all get together. And I, I'm too lazy to organise it. So someone <laughs> else someone else organise that. Yes, that, indeed. That's, that's my play for the week. Big Avengers style. Let's get together. Let's talk Doctor Who. It needs to I, happen, doesn't it? Like, like an, I, an I'll be quiet. I, I, won't, I won't talk about how much I don't like the show. David will be like <laughs> the forerunner from ours. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Um, but, yeah, so shall we... Um, shall we awkwardly transition from from all that gushing into uh discussing the, the minutiae of what we had for breakfast this week uh, yeah yeah i i think we should i think we should really put some effort into our segues today oh well uh, that that does not count then <laughs> you know if if we're gonna pan into another segue david speaking yeah. of pans i had pancakes for breakfast this oh morning. did you yeah nicely done and do you right. know what I, I'm gonna. I know people always disagree with my like food opinions and yeah. everything, but I'm gonna say just the best thing to have on pancakes: a little bit of syrup and banana. Anything else, you you're going too big. Syrup and banana. That is a very odd combination that I've never heard before. Just like a little bit, little bit of syrup, a little bit of treacle. You see, I do banana and Nutella in a pancake. Oh, I'll tell you what. It, here's my unpopular food opinion of the week. I'm uh-huh. sure I've said this before. There is no food more overrated than Nutella. Nutella is awful. <laughs> it's absolutely crap. I can't believe I'm hearing this right now. I'll I tell you what. If there's one food I am not keen on, Nutella bin. <sighs> Okay, we're just gonna have. I'm, you know, I don't even have the energy to fight fight you on that. Right, like, oh, it's please, just... sir, can I have, can I have some chocolate? But can it have the consistency of marmite, please? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just. I, and I don't you know even what... want it to taste of chocolate. I want it just to taste of nuts. It's absolutely grim. All right then. Um... If you tell me you've had Nutella for your breakfast, I've really, really. Yeah cause trouble with this segment <laughs> no not not today today it was it was the classic matt you, you, you do i even need to say it marmite on toast it was indeed marmite on toast oh, yeah. good good to see it return yeah it's just my it's just my old my old faithful my old standby mm. what what about your meal of the week any highlights stand out to you yeah it's another easy one for me actually this week um no, no real competition. Enchiladas. Ooh. Talk, talk me through them. Everyone knows I'm a big fan of Mexican. Even yeah. mentioned how much I love Mexican food in my wedding speech. Okay. So I will I will admit it was a little bit of a bodge job. Um, purely because we only decided we were going to do enchiladas, you know, quite late in the, the, the day with, you know, without the means to go and grab any specific supplies for it. So we had to make do with with wheat wraps rather than corn tortillas. Mm-hmm. Um, so consistency perhaps not quite as perfect as you'd want, but um, the filling was just, you know, uh, nice tomatoey chilli sauce, a little, little bit of very finely diced mushroom in there, 
little bit of soy mince, but not too much, just enough to add a bit of texture, some kidney beans. Um, and yeah, just, and I don't know where you stand on, like, at what stage with, because crudely speaking, enchiladas, it's sort of like Mexican lasagna. Yeah. If you like. Um, yeah, I'll take that. So I don't know where you stand on with things like uh, lasagna, enchiladas, things like that. How far you push it in terms of browning the cheese on top. But personally, I'm of the opinion that you leave it until the last possible second to whip it out. Absolutely true. Yeah. Okay, that is the best bit of mm-hmm. lasagna. So fact, you, you want it that, that could waste... be how we make our millions. If we just made the top layer of lasagna. Oh, Yeah. Who Sold needs it. the rest? Sold it as a bar snack. We'd be making millions. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I did that. I, you know, made sure it was um, uh, as as close to uh, to burnt as as you can get away with, and it well, was amazing. Speaking of lasagna, this is not my meal of the week, David. But right. er- earlier in the week, my mum sent me a message whilst I was at work. And said, look, I'm, I'm cooking lasagna and I've made too much. Would, would you like to pick a lasagna up on the way home? Mm. And I said, yeah. And when I went, she said, oh, I must apologise. I, I, I have made too much lasagna, but not enough mince. So what I've actually made you is a vegetarian lasagna. Oh. And I thought, oh, this sounds familiar. <laughs> I'll give this a go. And do you know what? It, it was absolutely bloody lovely. Yeah. Um, you know, I actually think, like, by substituting mince for veg, because it had, like, roast peppers in there, some pea mm-hmm. shoots, it was all there. It had a mm. lot of flavour. I, I was taken aback by how nice it was. Yeah, I think, I mean, Italian cuisine really lends itself to vegetarian cooking. Mm. You know, because everything's just tomatoes and cheese. <laughs> uh, but you know, by having a very simple basis, you can throw pretty much any vegetables you like into the mix, and it will be interesting and nice, mm. and slightly different every time. So yeah. But not my meal of the week, though, because go on then. What was your meal of the week? I, that meal was it was too meat free for me. So last night. Uh, this week, my wife has gifted me a whole new barbecue, proper gas burner. So we Ooh. we we broke it in the hard way last night. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we had chicken kebabs, we had mm-hmm. lamb kebabs, we had burgers. Because I, I would say if you're doing a barbecue, the one food that is a must is burgers. I'd take burgers over sausages any day. Yeah. I mean, sausages, in my experience, in my meat-eating days, were so hit and miss on a barbecue. Mm. But I, I know you're thinking, Matt, that sounds like a lot of meat. What if I told mm-hmm. you, just just for pudding, just to polish it off, I also had a massive T-bone steak. <laughs> and was would you say that the steak, that was the crown jewel? Oh, one, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I can't expect that I'm going to pass a stool for the next three days, but... <laughs> <laughs> Although, based, based on uh, the uh, the standard of my cooking, I maybe will, but it won't be as pleasurable as, <laughs> you know. 
Uh, so, sorry for the blue humour there, David. No, it's fine. It's sorry fine. for the the vulgarity, as it. Were. I'm sure. I'm sure I have said worse. Yeah. Of this podcast. Yeah. Do you ever? Do you ever have those moments where you just think, God, what have I said? What is out there on the internet that I've now forgotten about? Uh, I, I I quite often regret. I I think in the early days of our pod when we were trying to mm. find our feet. I was just like, I'm just going to say the most insane things possible just to see mm-hmm. if anyone listens. And a lot of con- early conversation about cats in the early day, wasn't there? I wish I could go yes, back and change yeah. that. You, you, you certainly belaboured that one. Yeah, wish I could go back and change that. But Yeah, you know. well, it's out there now, isn't it? Yeah, and like I say, for the last <laughs> few weeks, whilst I've been doing the editing, there's been less swearing than usual. I've been editing it all out. Yeah. Snipping away. Keep it nice and clean. Mm. Keep the swearing. Keep the po- uh, politics out of podcast, please. Yes. Yeah, so, so did you did you do a politics free edit? I haven't listened to the edit from last week, so presumably it's ten minutes long. Uh, it's it's <laughs> mainly just me and you for an hour and a half, just going no politics, please. And then, re- <laughs> in fact, it's going to come up when we have like uh, our less listener feedback. Uh, mm-hmm. You know. It is just mainly, like I say, us making really political jokes and going, no politics, please, no politics. Indeed, indeed. Um, all right, then. So, um, what do we got left? We've got non-Doctor Who TV highlight of the week, or we've got uh, Would I Like to Who? Um, which do you which I, do you fancy? I'm, I'm going to say we do TV highlight first. Okay. Last week, you seemed quite keen to do your Would I Lie to Who, even though it wasn't your week. So I know you're excited for that. So we'll mm. we'll save the best not, till last. Not, we're not bigging it up too much, but... Uh, okay. Yeah, so I, stay tuned, I... listeners, for the best Would I Lie to Who <laughs> of all time. Yeah, it's... it's um, I still think your exploits on the farm is the one to beat. Uh, not, not what's that smell. <laughs> What's that smell was an enjoyable diversion, it must be said. Yeah. Right, okay, yeah. so television highlight of the week. You got anything there, David? Um. Yeah, okay, it's going to be... People, uh, I'm going to tell people about it, and, and you'll either think, uh, you and the listeners will either think, oh, that sounds fascinating, I'll definitely give that a watch, or you'll be like, why would I spend an hour and a half of my life on that? So I watched... A feature-length documentary on BBC iPlayer um, about the uh, Pepe the Frog meme. Okay. Are you familiar with Pepe? I, I, I get that he's just a sad frog, and he frog and he represents who's... racists or something. Yes. So I don't know the ins and outs. I know there's a sad frog who's racist. Okay. So so I think most people are aware of that, but. Um, the character was actually a character in an indie comic book, just a like a humour, slice of life, slightly surreal little comic book um, that the creator made and, and, you know, put some some issues up on the internet and stuff in the early days of the internet. We're talking about MySpace era. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, people started, like, grabbing images of one of the characters, Pepe the Frog, and using them for general memery. And the creator was pretty much, you know, cool with that. And then at a certain point, 
the alt-right got involved <laughs> and kind of co-opted it. And it became this very, very bizarre thing that's kind of genuinely inextricably linked with the, with you know, the rise of Trump and the alt-right and all of that. And uh, the, the, the documentary goes into a lot of detail, like t- talking and following the, the, uh, the, the creator and sort of the his struggles with coming to terms with seeing his work being completely wrested away from his control. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really, really fascinating documentary. It's, it's, it's well made. There's some nice little animated segments in it and stuff. Um, it's not for the faint of heart if, uh, because it doesn't shy away from showing some of the truly horrific ways in which that character has been appropriated and misused. So there's some, you know, some unpleasant language and some very unpleasant thoughts that are expressed by unsavoury people within it. So obviously go into it with that proviso. But anyway, so that's, it's called Feels Good Man. It's on iPlayer for a couple more months, I think. Um, And I would say it's definitely worth a watch if you like that sort of thing. What about you, Matt? Uh... I don't know. Now, I, all I can think of, after last week where I recommended Werewolves of London, I want mm. everyone to just go listen to Rainbow Connection by Kermit the Frog. Let's just think about happier frogs. <laughs> or oh, that one from the Warner Brothers cartoon that sings all the time. Oh, that is genuinely one of my favourite cartoons of all time. Is it the one, does he go like, what? hello, my baby, hello, my darling, is it that yeah, one? Yeah, it's the one. Yeah, yeah one, one Froggy Evening, directed by Chuck Jones. Right. I think without any context, yeah. I might just put that on our Twitter. Yeah. Uh, it's just genuinely one of the greatest pieces of comedy uh, of all time. Do, do you have any favourite celebrity frogs you'd like to talk about? Um, I think you've covered the main ones there. There's that um, little one, isn't there, that's Kermit's cousin. That sings halfway up the stair, but I forget what he's called. I'm, I'm not. I'm not keen on him, to be honest. No, little dwee. Ker- Kermit's my go-to for celebrity frogs. Yeah. So Matt, do we need to have out on the podcast the the whole Werewolves of London thing? Last week, obviously, I said that I I couldn't I couldn't place it. Yeah, and then everyone said, "Wow, I love this song. It's one of the best songs ever." And you mm-hmm. just weighed in and just went bit boring. Okay. You, so what you I don't said live was... in the real world with the rest of us. That's how I justify your behaviour. <laughs> I'm just like, you know, it's like if uh, I think of it in terms of Doctor Who, if a man fell from space and had no <laughs> real understanding of human society, I'm just like, oh, right. He doesn't really know it, think it's boring. He just doesn't know any better. <laughs> He's been trapped okay. in ice for 5,000 years. <laughs> Can, 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 can I unpack my thoughts a little bit? If you say anything bad about the song, Werewolves of London, I'm going to stop the recording. Let's move on, then. Instead, Let's move on. just go, ah, ooh, Werewolves of London. And, like, just appreciate it. What a great song. It's fine. It just gets a bit repetitive oh, after a while. It's fine. It's fine. That's the nice way of saying you don't like it. It just oh. after the after the guitar solo, I'm like, okay, right, come on, give me a bridge, give me a key change, something different. But it just reverts back to the exact same riff, and it just it's just a bit, you know, it just gets a bit boring after a while. Okay, 
That's all. That's all I was saying. It's fine. I'm just quickly just going on Wikipedia, David. Just excuse mm-hmm. me a moment. Just here we go. Just on Warren Zevon's Wikipedia. Just to look yeah. at the like the different uh, awards that he won throughout his <laughs> his career. But obviously, you know better. No. I'm not saying that. Multiple that. gold records. All right. You know, a couple of Grammys, but mm-hmm. no, it's fine. It's fine. It's boring, ladies and gentlemen. Boring song. Anyway, moving on. My moving on. television highlight of the week. Still watching Loki. This week, yep. everyone said it's even more like Doctor Who than last week. It's not like Doctor Who. I cannot move on on social media and like clickbait articles and things being pushed in my direction talking about how much Loki is like Doctor Who and it almost makes me not want to watch it. David, it's nothing like Doctor Who. Uh, like, well, I, I'm looking forward to watching it. I am. Yeah, well that's the first way it's different to Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, I still got the last episode of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier to get through. Mm-hmm. I think Loki will be more your bag. I expect it will be, but I'm a, I'm too much of a of a completist when it comes to these things. So my real television highlight of the week. I've got four <laughs> words for you, David. Yep. England two, Germany nil. Right, of course. Yeah, I should have seen that coming, shouldn't I? Yeah. Yes. And the good news is we're recording this on Saturday. Yes. So tonight England are playing the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And it's fine, because it means if they get knocked out, I'll be over it by the next time we record the podcast, and we just go a few months without talking about football. Mm, that would be nice. Mm. Come on, England. They're going to do it. Ukraine, bunch of slugs. Mm. There's, a, there's a very good progressive rock band from the Ukraine called Carthagen uh, that I, thought the I've been listening be. to quite, quite a lot of in, in recent months. It's been, yeah, they've got some good stuff. I, I hope a proper band like Ramstein find Carthagen and beat them up. <laughs> I mean, Some they definitely in, could. Proper industrial metal, just go and beat them all up. I've been listening to a lot of Ramstein this week. <laughs> and I, I don't want to big myself too much, but in mm-hmm. my car, when I'm doing my little bit of karaoke, I, I think I'd do a tremendous pass at Ramstein. I'll be honest. <laughs> I don't know any of the words, it's all in bloody German. Um, but you know, I'll do my best. Yeah. yeah, well, that's all anyone can ask of you, Matt. Right. Uh, what else have we got to do? Should we do? Would I lie to who? I think we'd bread a hand. Yeah. Now that you've uh, bigged it up far beyond uh, yeah any reasonable level, people will be sat on the edge of their seats. Mm. There'll be you know families gathered round the old wireless listening. Well. You know what I like to do sometimes with uh, what I like to who? Because I try to keep it on topic and actually discuss things in, in relation to Doctor Who. Um, I like to dip into uh, this month's edition of Doctor Who magazine and see uh, see if there's anything worth pulling out from that. And this month, amazingly, they finally started something that almost feels like a marketing campaign for the new series of Doctor Who. Okay. Uh, kind of. We still have absolutely no details whatsoever. We don't know how many episodes it's going to be. We don't know when it's going to be on the TV. Um, 
there's no hint of a trailer being anywhere close to in the offing. So um, instead of anything remotely concrete, we've got uh, Jodie Whittaker and one of her co-stars answering some questions from readers who were submitted and highly vetted. So only the most inane ones got through. (laughs) Um, And I picked out probably the most inane of all. Um, and I want you to guess Jodie Whittaker's response. Okay, I'm going to guess the answer is no, I don't like prog rock. <laughs> and that question submitted by David, 35, from Yorkshire. <laughs> so, um, uh, a, one of the readers uh, asked Jodie if the TARDIS could dispense any food item, what would it be? And... I don't know what the choices are, but my, my mind immediately went to ham. I really hope. <laughs> well, I can tell you that, that she she offered both a drink and a food. Okay. So uh, you've, you've got three sort of food and, and, and drink combos to choose from here. Right. Let, let me take a genuine stab in the dark before I get okay. options. No, no, go. I go think the it. answer is going to be hot tea and ice cream. Oh, that's interesting, Matt. That's interesting. Because both of those feature as options, but not, oh. on, the same, not <laughs> on the same one. So, going to be some hard choices ahead of you. So, is it A, Diet Coke and raspberry ripple ice cream. Okay. Is it B, red wine and creamy pasta? Or is it C, Earl Grey tea and scrambled eggs? All right. Immediately, I'm dismissing B. Okay. I, I think if I think this is the sort of question and answer that children will be writing into and mm-hmm. what have you. Uh, so I don't. I think even if Jodie Whittaker was renowned for loving a glass of red, I I think that would have been vetoed, edited, what have you. Okay. Uh, I don't think she'd have been okay to say that. All right. Yeah. Okay. So the first one was Diet Coke and Raspberry Ripple ice cream. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I could see that. Um, do you know what I? I I don't think Jodie Whittaker's much of a raspberry ripple girl. (laughs) (laughs) You just don't get that impression from her, do you? No, no. I reckon she'd be... She'd be a Ben and Jerry's. I think she'd want everything in one big pot. Oh, I see. Yeah. So, I don't know. What was with the Earl Grey tea, sorry? Scrambled eggs. Hmm. There's potential there. There's potential. In fact, that's the one I'm going to go for. A lovely breakfast of Earl Grey tea and scrambled eggs. Matt, the correct answer was red wine and creamy pasta. Really? The one you dismissed out of hand? Yep. I thought they'd have, like, said, you know, let's just pull back on the booze for a bit, Whitaker. I mean, to be fair, the average reading age of Doctor Who magazine is probably about 47. Yeah, but I don't know. I thought for the kids, they would have reined it in a bit. Yeah, they used to be a more kid-friendly 
Doctor Who magazine, like a was it was it called Doctor Who Adventures or something like that? I never got it because um, you know I was an adult when it was out. Yeah, um, too busy watching a program about a magic man flying around in his space box. Yes, like yeah. proper adults. Yes, indeed. No, I want I, I want very very dry articles about. Uh, Set design the, and yeah, the the production assistants from <laughs> from the Sea Devils, um, yes, that's far more my speed. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, well there you go, a little insight into the mind of um, of a doctor that you've not yet met. No, but uh, I'm excited to oh, see a, a drunk yeah. doctor. <laughs> you need to watch more Pertwee then. <laughs> Was he, Honestly, there, was he a bit there of a, is a bit of a rogue in his time. He's the only doctor that has ever been depicted on screen as really enjoying a glass of wine. Oh wow! There's a there's a whole oh which it's one of the Dalek stories I think, where he basically just holes up in a in a posh drawing room with a load of wine and cheese <laughs> and just makes himself very comfy. Oh, wow. Um. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, pretty much any other doctor, when they have been shown drinking wine, have have, have you know have always like pulled a face or something. I I, I particularly like uh, Matt Smith's line where he says, "I thought it would be more like the gums." <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. So there we go. So, so that ties the score at nine all. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. It's getting exciting. Yeah, uh, like where football. are we now? We're July, so we've still got August and September still to go. We've got three months mm. of Would I Lie to Who till the comeback of the Wheelie Big Quiz. Do you think we can keep it going that long? Um, I don't know. I've never flogged a dead horse this long. Because <laughs> I, I was thinking if it's nine all, we could make uh, we can make the next one the decider, if you like. Yeah, What the problem there is what are we going to do next? We could just have shorter episodes. <laughs> it's absolute disdain that you treat our listeners. <laughs> we don't owe them anything, Matt. I, I can't believe you're saying this. <laughs> 10,000 downloads and you're just like, yeah, screw them. Do you, not, do you not long for the days when it was a nice, t- nice tight 45 minutes? It was 40 minutes because I wasn't enjoying myself. (laughs) I've I've introduced things. If we were still on 40 minutes, I'd have bailed by now. (laughs) It's all of this bullshit at the top that's keeping you hooked in, is it? First of all, you watch your language. There's children listening. (laughs) Okay. It might be children that know a lot of swear words, but that's on their parents, not us. We need to be better, David. All right. How dare you. Imagine if Martin McLean's listening and he heard that. Who knows? Do you know what, David? Um, Normally I'd say I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. But in this case, I am mad and I'm disappointed. (laughs) Because, obviously, the next segment we're moving on to is listener tweets. (laughs) Yes, it is indeed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know what? I will say I am really, really interested to hear what people make of extremists because um, 
yeah, I, I won't say why yet. We'll, we'll we'll touch on that when I when I sort of give my uh, my top line thoughts. But um, I'm very very interested to see what the range of opinion is on this one. That's good. We got a nice clear take of you saying how interested you are, so I can edit it now if you want to go to the loo. Uh, <laughs> it's absolutely fine. Everyone knows this is your uh, your least favorite part of the show. Just because you make me say hello to everyone. Well, this week I was going to make you say thank you. Thank you for listening. But, oh, okay. You know, since you're such an ingrate. I, don't I mean, know I, I can do that. It's fine. It's fine. It just starts to feel a little too much like socialising. Right. I'll tell you what. If I start reading it, um, if there's some that I... I'll generalise some of them. Okay. okay. We'll be quick. So the first message we got was from Outer 10, question mark. Okay, that's a different Ooh. podcast to, uh, that I think they just rate everything. It's one I'm not familiar with. Uh, they follow the Cloister Bell. I think that's how they got our message. And do they just do Doctor Who stuff or do no, they I just think, rate everything? I think they just rate everything. Mm. Okay. That sounds, that sounds very intriguing. I might have to check that out. Uh, so, yeah, looking at their Twitter, for example, they're going to rate their top ten action scenes from films. And just give them scores out of 10. Oh, nice. Okay. So they said it's a classic, 8 out of 10. Okay, great. Okay. I mean, very much on form there. Okay. Then we had a message. Oh, sorry. Did you want to thank them for that message, David? Thank you very much. Okay. Do you want to say thank you to Thomas Merch for his message? Thank you, Thomas. Okay. He says that it is extremely good. He then apologises for the pun, uh, but... Yeah, enjoys the episode. Never apologise for a pun. Be proud. Okay. <laughs> and the next message comes from Clover. Do you want to say thank you, Clover? Thank you, Clover. Okay. He says, it's good with some bad bits, but that's our job to rate, so I'm not going to read the rest of that tweet, David. The sheer, <laughs> the sheer goal of the youth of today, trying to mm. steal. You know, plagiarism's a crime. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Next message comes from Amy. Do you want to say thank you, David? Thank you, Amy. Okay. Amy says, I love Extremists. It's a favourite of mine. It's such a clever story and I was blown away. The mystery kept me right until the end. Okay. And then she always offers a quote with her tweet. So she says, you don't have to be real to be the doctor as long as you never give up. Without hope, without witness, without reward. Yeah. It's a lovely refrain. It pops up a few times in that uh, episode. Okay, then we had a message from the Cloister Bell Boys. Do you want to say hello, David? Hello, and thank you. Ah, you beat me to it. I was going to say, do you want to say thank you as well? Uh, And they've just said they have little memory of this one. Hmm. That's interesting, because I I think it's quite quite a striking one, however you feel about it. Okay. I would have thought. Hmm, yeah. Then we have James Courtney. Say hello and thank you, David. Hello and thank you, James. I thought you were going to say hello and thank you, David. Yes, I, Re- I defied your expectations yeah. there. Reoccurring character, Captain Comedy, that appears once a week. Right, <laughs> uh, James says, I love this one. It manages to be so dark and ominous throughout. I love the twist that they are in. I'm not going to read that bit. Okay. Uh, so this ties in thematically well with the, the I'm not going to read that bit. As they say, without hope, without witness, without reward. Nadul 
sorry, Nardol continues to go from strength to strength. We get more of an explanation of how he and the Doctor came to be together, which contradicts all the ones before. Love the use of blindness in this episode as well. I'm sure, I am sure someone cleverer than me will say it thematically ties in somehow. And then he says, roll on next week. See, even James can't wait for this week's pod to be out the way. <laughs> okay. Then we have other James, James Swift. Say hello and thank you, David. Hello and thank you, other James. Who says, I really like the A plot of the group of of the group trying to figure out what is going on. It definitely gets better with a rewatch. My main criticism is the B plot, and I'm not going to read that bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is no spoilers. Um, so thank you for that message, James. I'm just going to miss out the bits that might be spoilers. Okay. Uh, we've got two more messages, David. Don't worry. We're nearly through. Mm-hmm. Okay. We've got a message from Frank. Say hello and thank you, David. Hello and thank you, David. Oh, I did it. <laughs> oh, we've been waiting with bated breath. <laughs> Here he is. Captain Comedy. He had to come at some point. Okay. Now... Frank, David, has cottoned on that in the last couple of episodes I've referred to him as a vampire. So he's written this tweet in like a vampire-ish tone. He's put V's instead of W's. Mm-hmm. Okay. And again, I feel that's like a little bit of plagiarism of my jokes. I'm not even going to bother reading that one. Okay, so we're moving on. I think the... you should read it, but I think you should read it without putting on any kind of a Transylvanian accent. Okay. So it just sounds insane. <laughs> it says... Dear David and Matt from the Neither the Time Nor the Space podcast, I take issue with the fact that you are trying to keep politics out of Doctor Who, especially when you push your soy boy left-wing agenda on your listeners. (laughs) How many times must I listen to David's... And then he's put a word I'm going to miss there because it's quite rude. (laughs) Marxist ramblings. Persistently... Those of us who support the right-wing Conservative Party here in Britain, and then he's put hashtag I love Boris, have to listen to this drivel. I am a card-carrying, proud member of the Conservative Party, and your dismissal of the efforts of Mr Matt Hancock, you should be ashamed. Boys, you have lost a listener. And then he's put hashtag I love the Tories. Uh, wow shocking turn there yeah I, I mean I, w- I, genu- I wouldn't have expected that <laughs> no no I'll be honest I'm not certain Frank's expecting that I may have written that myself on the spot alright <laughs> but don't steal my jokes alright I don't want any tweet saying oh this is good with bad bits we do that thank you very much <laughs> right if I pretend you're a vampire it's because I'm trying to mock you. You're not in on the joke, right? <laughs> so well done. That little joke's dead on its ass now. How did we get to 10,000 downloads? I don't know. Where we mock all our listeners and pretend right. they love the Tories. <laughs> it's just being openly, nakedly aggressive towards them. <laughs> You know, they all send nice messages, and I'm like, do you know what? I'm taking issue with this. I'm just going to ignore it. You're basically just painting a target on your on your back. 
messaging Matt at this point, it seems like. Anyway. Um, right, and the final one. Yeah. Okay. It's quite a long one, David, so make yourself comfortable. Will do. Okay. So, this comes from BT Flibbity Giggard. He says, this is a weird one. The good parts are incredibly good. And the conceit of the Doctor watching the episode along with us comes off much better than the last time Doctor Who tried to mess around with frame structure in Sleep No More. Mm -hmm. That being said, the plot is flimsy as hell. And unlike something like Thin Ice, there isn't... Uh, th I can't get my words out today. There isn't the strong thematic basis to make it clear that the plot isn't the point. But as I said, the good stuff is phenomenal. We have the Doctor post-Hellbent and post-River. He's as perilously close to his season 8 self as we've seen him in a while. For a moment, it seems like he's actually going to pull the lever and become an executioner, and it's a role that's uncomfortable, specifically because we've seen how much he's changed over the course of his run. Of course, that's when Nardole comes in and gives the Doctor a reminder of who he is, right from River Song herself. That whole bit is so well written, the perfect encapsulation of who the Doctor aspires to be. Someone who does good, without hope, without witness, without reward. Virtue in extremis. The fact that Twelve chooses to give up another long period of his life after the billions of years in the confession dial, and 24 years with River, mind you, just proves that on a good day he can live up to his own ideals. Actually, I find it interesting how Twelve stays in one place so often over his run. Most of the other Doctors seem to travel around almost compulsively, and Eleven especially can't seem to stop moving. Maybe Trenzalore imprinted itself on Twelve's personality. I don't know, just food for thought. Mm. Unfortunately, Extremis put its best scene right at the beginning of the episode and never quite recovers. There's still some good bits, the Pope in Bill's bedroom gag is hilarious, and we get to see some of Nardole's badassery, in addition to the comic relief. In the end, it feels like my problems with this episode are mostly in how mediocre most of it is compared to the flashback scene. But man, what a perfect scene. Hmm. Interesting. So not quite as fulsome in, you know, across the board praise as some episodes we've had recently. But mm -hmm. people are still generally positive about it. Um, it's interesting that we had one listener there who preferred the flashback stuff to the main plot and then someone else who preferred the main plot to the flashback. Yeah. So that that's an interesting thing that's jumped out to me there. Um, well, thank you as always, genuinely, to everyone who's, who's written in. Um, um, especially for me, because... I'm going to be honest here. I have never managed to make up my mind about this story. Really? It's one of the very few episodes of Doctor Who where I just don't really... It's not that I don't have a strong opinion. I just don't quite know what that strong opinion is yet. Even yeah. after multiple watches. How did it land with you on a first watch, Matt? I'm really uh, intrigued to know. I, I'm going to... I think I used this maybe last week. I'm going to say, I had a good time with this, but I couldn't tell you why. Right. Like, yeah. I couldn't say what was my favourite bit mm -hmm. or why I thought it was particularly outstanding, but I enjoyed it. I watched the whole thing, you know. Normally, I sometimes take a little break in the middle if I'm not really feeling it. Um, but yeah, it was okay. Yeah. Um, I think the thing is, I, I distinctly remember the first time I watched it, 
but the end of it just feeling a little bit like uh, uh, what now what what was that <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. I, 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 had I, that know, kind I know of there are hints towards the twist yeah but then at the end I was like that has come literally out of nowhere yeah it, it, it really it did leave me a bit wrong footed and then you know I went on I was quite active on Reddit at the time and stuff like that and everyone was really gushing about it and I was like I I don't think I'm there with this one and I think because a lot of people were so immediately enthusiastic about this story if anything that kind of pushed me away a bit from feeling you know heading in that direction with my feelings towards it I had a similar reaction with listen the first time I watched that but what I found was with subsequent rewatches, I really, because I knew where it was going, I was able to appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. And I, I really came around on that one eventually. How, how many times would you have seen this episode now? I think last night when I watched it, it was my third watch. Right. And it still, it hasn't quite landed with me yet. What I would say is I like a lot of the individual elements of it. But I think it's one of those rare examples of a case of uh, of an episode of Doctor Who where, I f- for me, it feels somehow less than the sum of its parts. Okay. The individual good bits and ideas, I don't know that they all quite fit together for me in like a satisfying jigsaw puzzle of an episode. It's more just like, oh, I really like that one performance. I really like that one line. Now, this is a really interesting idea. They don't quite take it in a way that I think would best exploit it. Or, do you know what I mean? And, and at the end of the day, like it's, it feels to me, essentially, like you've got... And this is coming from someone who has never read or watched The Da Vinci Code or anything, but it feels essentially like Doctor Who trying to do The Da Vinci Code for two-thirds of an episode, and then right at the end deciding that it's actually going to be The Matrix instead. Um, Would you say it does The Da Vinci Code better or worse than The Shakespeare Code? I mean, probably better. I mean, it's not hard to be better than The Shakespeare Code, in my opinion. Um, That I maintain that's that's one of my least favourite episodes of, of New Who. Really not a fan of that one. But, um, yeah, I just... I, I just don't know, Matt, with this one. I don't mm. know. I can't say it's a bad episode. It's clearly not. It's it's really well made and well acted and has some really interesting dialogue and ideas. But it just doesn't quite... It just clicked together for me. I don't know. Maybe I'm just an idiot and I haven't understood it properly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's where we're at with it. Maybe I'll have, maybe I'll be able to kind of nail down my opinion by the time we get to the end of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Should we jump in? Let's do it. Okay. So this is Extremist. This is episode six of season ten. Written by Stephen Moffat and directed by Daniel Netheim, who I'm certain we've come across before. Yes. But he doesn't have a Wikipedia page, so I can't remember what he's done. Mm. Okay, so the episode opens and they are discussing the executioners of all living things. Yes. Okay, 
So there is this race or this creed where their goal is to rid the universe of life. Um, it's more just like that they will they will find a way in which you can kill any species in the universe, I think. It's just because obviously some species are harder to kill than others, so they've kind of taken it upon themselves to become the ones that can crack the code, if you like. Okay. On some of those trickier species. Okay. It's a very Doctor Who concept that, that in t- typical Doctor Who style is 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 a massive idea and then it's completely tossed away <laughs> in the space of a minute. So they discuss the honour in killing a Time Lord. Yeah. And it implies that the Doctor is going to be killed. Yeah. Until they say, well, it needs to be done by another Time Lord. Mm-hmm. And this is where we get the grand reveal of Missy being back. Well, hey, we happy to see her back? Always. Uh, my wife's watching a programme that's got uh, Michelle Gomez in it at the moment. Oh, what is it? It's called The Flight Attendant. Oh. It's absolutely mad. Like, I can't make head nor sense of it because I've only just watched, like, the odd bit here or there. But... I mean, what what kind of genre is it? Is it comedy? Is it... No, it's like some sort of action drama. Basically, everyone's upset and everyone shoots each other. That's mm. it. Okay. Uh, but... Needless to say, from what I've seen, Michelle Gomez is brilliant in it. Yeah. Uh, she just basically plays Missy, but she's allowed to swear a bit. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. She's just one of... She's, I think, really, really lucky as an actor. Because this is the thing that I think a lot of actors would love to be able to do, but not all of them get the opportunity. is to basically become known for being able to give completely bonkers performances. Mm-hmm. that, you know, she now has a reputation that, oh, if you want just an absolutely insane lady in your TV show, just give Michelle Gomez a ring. She'll do it. Yeah. You know. Um, so she just always looks like she's having so much fun. Yeah, whatever she's absolutely. Doing. Um, so, yeah, Missy's here, and it turns out she's the one being killed, and her remains will be sealed in the vault. So yeah. they say, you know, we'll stop both her hearts, we'll sever the three brain stems, okay? Her body's sealed in the heart, in the vault, sorry, and will be guarded for a thousand years just in case she gets better by the doctor. Yeah. Okay. And the doctor needs to pull a handle in order to commence the execution. Yeah. So then we have a new scene where the Doctor is sat outside of the vault and we know he's now guarding Missy, where he receives an email on the Mm -hmm. Sonic sunglasses that he's using crudely to see, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And the email is entitled Extremis. So there we go again. Unusual episode title reveal. Mm Mm-hmm. Just fun. Um, and also, speaking of reveals, so we now officially know Missy's in the vault. Yeah. That's, it's kind of nice to have what you think is going to be the, the like the series mystery that's going to be dragged all the way to the end of of the um, the series. Just uh, done and dusted in episode, what is it, five, six? Uh, 
Episode six, sorry. Episode six, yeah. Um, now, the yeah. thing is, you say, oh, it's nice that that's the series reveal. I don't think it is going to be the series reveal. We're going to get to the end of the series, and it's going to be like, oh, did you notice in every episode, uh, Bill's mum was eating a banana? <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's going to be something mad that I've missed. I think it's like sleight of hand. They'll yeah, be like, maybe. hey, everyone, look at the vault. And secretly in the background, there'll have been a Dalek walking past or something. <laughs> <laughs> just waving in the background yeah. once uh, like where's Wally every episode yeah. there's a there's a Dalek yeah it's gonna be uh, I don't know I'm worried I'm at the end of this series I'm worried I'm gonna look really stupid for missing yeah. something can I check you you never watch the next time trainers do you uh no because no. on iPlayer they've put them after the uh titles now yeah it used to just jump straight into next time. Yeah, it just smashes right into it. And, but, yeah. and I stopped watching them quite a while ago because things just got spoiled. That's the thing. Like, it's just... I get why they did it in the early days, especially in the RTV years when they were trying to really build the show up and gain a new audience for it. But they, they some of them, especially in the Moffat ears, they got so spoilery. Yeah, that I would just I, I you know I think after about midway through series five I was just like you know what I'm just gonna I would like dash to 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 grab the remote and switch off the TV before it got to that point, um, but yeah um, I mean who knows who knows what what's still to come this series I mean I do obviously I would imagine the vast majority of our listeners do, but fortunately you don't Matt no and the <laughs> thing is now I have to I I don't really know. Why Missy was even on trial? I mean, she's done a lot of naughty things. Hasn't well, she? yeah, but I think I wonder if, like, the series arc now is going to reveal one specific horrible thing she did. Uh, maybe because normally she does horrible things and then just runs off. But if she's done something horrible enough, she gets locked up for a thousand years. Yeah, who knows? Well, maybe well, we'll find you out. Know, you know. Yes, again, that's very true. I do. Most of our yeah. listeners do, as we discussed. Anyway, um, so where do we go from here? Right, so post-credits, the Doctor is in his lecture theatre, yep. and the sonic sunglasses help him see that the room is beginning to fill with people. Yes. And they are visitors from the Vatican. Yeah. Can we just keep religion out of Doctor Who, please? <laughs> okay. So... There is a message from the Pope in 1045 mm-hmm. asking the Doctor for help. Yeah. And at that point, the current Pope appears. Yeah. Okay. So, this is bonkers. Yeah. Just going to throw that out there. It is, it is almost cartoonishly bonkers, I feel like, yeah. to just have the Pope turning up. At, uh, is it meant to be Bristol? I, th- I want to say Bristol University. I, I think, something like that. I, I, I think they're very cunning in not exposing where he is. Maybe not. I think it's quite often just referred to as like the university. Mm. But anyway, it's one of those sort of like not super prestigious. You know, it's not like Oxford or or absolutely slamming Durham, Bristol it? University there, David. Oh, I can't slam anyone about where they got their degree. I'll put it like that. At least the majority of the people listening to this who've got degrees, the places you, you got yours from probably still exist, right? Mine doesn't. <laughs> I, I'm a proud product of the University of Northampton. Yeah. Just leave I that there. That. 
say that. <laughs> Didn't really enjoy my time there. Never mind. Let's move on. Okay. So the Pope says he's here for extremists. Yeah. And extremists, uh, there is an ancient text called the Veritas. Yes. And it causes the people who read it to commit suicide. Yeah. Okay. It's a bit like the video from The Ring, isn't it? It is kind of. It definitely has that sort of um, like urban myth quality to yeah. it. Would you read it? Oh, God, no. No. Really? If, if someone said to me, literally everyone who has ever read this has committed suicide afterwards, no, thank you. I have my, I have my off days, but I enjoy living. I'd, I'd quite happy to, to stay end, that way. Flick to the last page, see how it finishes. Because <laughs> did, yeah. did you know, I, I mean, this is going back some years, and I know that you, you haven't lived local to me your whole life. No. But did, did you know that our favourite Indian takeaway, Jaipur Spice? Ah, I, yes, yeah, the, the origin of... Um, uh, do, do we give away the location? Uh, yeah, the name of it? Because it's, it's, it is a satisfying name to say. Uh, go on then, you may as well yeah. say. Yes, the Busby Stoop. Okay, so our favourite Indian takeaway, the Jaipur Spice, basically is built in the building where local criminals were hung back mm-hmm. in the day. Yep. And after all the hanging stopped, yeah. it was turned into a pub, a public house. Yes. And there used to be a chair in the pub. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether this is true or not, or if it's just good publicity, but basically it was, I think if you sat in the chair, you would die within the week. Yeah. Now, I, I sat in that chair. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I set foot in that building once when it was still a pub. Uh-huh. And then shortly thereafter, it, it got turned into the Jaipur Spice. Um but, uh, yeah, no, I, I gave that chair a go. Didn't die. I, I don't think I did, because I think the only time I went in there was when I was, like, five years old, and I was, mm. like, dead scared. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. I think but if that, it was there I, now, I'd seen it. I don't, you know, because having said that, so you asked me, would I read it? Why is it different? I mean, the thing is, I'm not a superstitious person at all. I'm a very sceptical person. Um... But with it being something written, I don't know, just because as a practising writer myself, I believe in the power of words a bit more. Does that make sense mm-hmm. at all? Like, I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in magic haunted chairs. <laughs> but um, I don't know. It would freak me out just enough, I think, to be like, no, I, that's not a question I need answering. I'll, I'll leave that unread. Yeah. Do you have, do you have any superstitions? Um. Not really, I don't think. No. See, I, I know it's supposedly bad luck to like cross people on the stairs, isn't mm-hmm. it? Uh, but I mainly just don't do that because I'm so clumsy. I worry I'll knock someone down the stairs. <laughs> yeah. So no, like I, usually I, I if I let people pass on the stairs, they're like, ooh, superstitious. And I'm just like, no, just a big clumsy git. <laughs> Indeed. What about you? Do you have any superstitions? 
Um, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. You happily walk under a ladder? Step on a crack <sighs> on the pavement? I used to work in a hardware store, David. I, I, I was forever under ladders. <laughs> yeah. All right, come on, let's move on. We've got a lot of episode to get through. Right, so... Uh, yeah, so the Pope says, you know, if you read Veritas, you choose hell, as in, you know, you take your own life. He then asks the Doctor to read Veritas, to translate, because it's an old lost language, because everyone that was translating it ended up killing themselves. Blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. So then we jump across to Bill whose mum still doesn't know that she's gay. Yeah. You know, she has very strict rules about bringing men home, doesn't she? Yes, yeah. Uh, But Bill says, I don't think they're as strict as my rules. Uh, (laughs) This is where we're introduced to Penny, who is Bill's date for the night. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, because she thought her mum was out with... Is it Roger? I forget. Well, she says one name, and it's a different name. Yeah. Um... Yeah. There's another there's another bit of our podcast lost to time where we used to know every extra character in every episode. <laughs> well, you did. You you'd glom yeah. onto them. Yeah. I think it's also the way RTD writes them though. You know, it's hard to forget Rodrigo, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Rodrigo and his digger. <laughs> yeah. And wasn't the one a guy that owned a fruit and veg stall? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And just the opening of Rose where she just runs around shouting Wilson for ages, but never mind. <laughs> Okay, so, mid-date... I was, I was listening, sorry, I've gotten sidetracked again. I was listening to a podcast recently where they, saw, they were discussing the uh, the target novelisation of Rose. You know, Russell T Davis a few years ago wrote a novelisation of it. Apparently, in the first chapter, he gives, like, this whole backstory to Wilson. Like, oh. apparently he was, like, pocketing the lottery money and all of that. Like, this, all of these extra details <laughs> only for right. to be unceremoniously bumped off. I think when we get back around, once we've done the seventh Doctor again, yeah, we're going to have to do something special for the eighth Doctor because we basically watched all his televised adventures. But maybe yeah. we should do, we should reread Rose, not watch it, but reread it. I'd be up for doing the Rose novelization at some point. Yeah, yeah just revisit it. Yeah, that, I was sort of conversation the... we should have off pod, really, isn't it? it yeah. In one of our long planning meetings. Yeah, I, I think uh, for for the eighth Doctor, I was thinking we'd we'd, we'd dip a toe in big finish, but uh, yeah. yeah. Like I say, probably should have kept all the planning off pod, but never mind. Ah. <laughs> right. So midday, the TARDIS arrives, yes. and the Pope interrupts Bill's date. Okay, Penny. Penny, sorry can't understand what's going on mm-hmm. she panics she leaves and when bill enters her bedroom there's just catholic men everywhere yeah okay i i i i like that scene i think it works i think it only works because of pearl mackie's performance yeah she she's an absolute it. joy isn't she she plays it perfectly absolutely note perfect yeah right so, Bill goes to shout at the Doctor, but because she still doesn't know that he's blind, he mm-hmm. kind of dismisses her and fobs her off into talking into Nardole instead. Yes, yeah. You know. I was really worried there was going to be, like, strain in this relationship. 
in mm. this episode. But the Doctor's quite good at just distancing himself from Bill. Yeah, well, I'd say distant is the word generally to describe him in this episode. Like, he really... He seems kind of shaken by the loss of his sight. Mm. Like, he seems slower and more closed off with Bill and Nardo. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. Like, Capaldi's definitely making some choices here in how he's playing him differently to how he's been so far this series. Uh-huh. So, yeah, he tells Bill to talk to Nardole and Nardole explains what's going on. Yep. And uh, we flash back to the scene of the Doctor and Missy and the priests and a priest sl- slows the execution. Uh, he's given five minutes for divine intervention. <laughs> um, so... It turns out it's Nardole, and he reads part of Miss uh, Rivers' diary. Yeah, and we to get the doctor. We get that that phrase, which, as I say, is, is kind of a repeated refrain throughout the episode: "Without witness, without hope, without reward." Mm. It is a really lovely, um, sort of a creed, if you like, really, isn't it? Yeah. You know, the idea that that you should do good for the sake of doing good, not because, you know, as I say, w- without hope that it will be necessarily even better in the long run, without anyone there to tell you how great you were for doing it, without any notion that there will be some kind of personal payoff for you having mm. done the good. You do the good because the good needs doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it works well, I think, through here. Definitely. Okay. So, back in present day, Nardole tells the Doctor he must tell Bill that he's blind. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's a breach of trust if he's going to lead Bill into this dangerous adventure. Mm-hmm. And at this point, they're led to the Library of Heretics. This is where all the dark tomes are kept within the Vatican mm-hmm. okay and then we get a shock flashback where Missy's begging for her life mm-hmm. and the doctor is led through this heretics library it's intentionally confusing it's very dark very ominous and then all of a sudden from nowhere there's a blinking light which obviously the doctor fails to acknowledge at first yes And we see, for the first time, a portal with a figure stood through it. Which is quite scary, but the portal closes quite quickly Mm -hmm. and the figure disappears. Yeah. Okay. We then finally reach the Veritas book, which is guarded by a man who claims he has sent it. Mm. And as I was writing my notes, I was flicking backwards and forth, but I'm certain at one point we see a big alien arm reach through the wall at this point. Yeah, around here. Yeah. Okay. So he emailed a copy of Veritas to CERN. Why CERN? Who knows? Yeah. And, like, I mean, who else is it going to go to other than, like, enquiries at (laughs) CERN.org? (laughs) <laughs> he, he might have had a mate who works there. You never know. Mm. Yeah, because re- 
Devout religious people get on well with scientists, I've heard. Well, there are quite a lot of you who are both, so... Um, but yeah, it's, it, uh, but I think th- that is one of the central ideas because uh, uh, earlier on, at some point, the doctor sort of makes a point of like, you know, priests and particle physicists, physicists, what could be so awful that it's got them both rattled, you know? Mm. Um, yeah, it, it, it's an, in- I do kind of like the way this this episode, it really the, the theme of it really is 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 faith. It's all about who you know. What do you put your faith in? What do you trust? Um, you know your faith in reality. You could even, if you wanted to, uh, fold the Doctor's blindness into that. This notion of blind faith. Hmm. Um, but. Yeah, I don't. I think that's the thing. I feel like there's a thread there, but Moffat doesn't quite tie it together. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what, what why one of the reasons why I struggle with this one a little bit. But anyway, um, yeah, he, he sent it to CERN anyway. Yeah, and as that's being discussed, we hear a gunshot. Yeah. So again, the doctor sends Bill and Nardo away to investigate, but mm-hmm. they both think he's doing it so that he can begin to read Veritas. Yes. Okay. And they are completely correct in that. Like, what? Oh, he's yeah. fooling no one. Yeah. And they manage to find the gun that caused mm-hmm. the gunshot when light is reflected off it. So yeah. we. Can we not? Hev- we, we can't gloss over as well the chat between Bill and Nardo, where where Bill asks Nardo if he's secretly a badass. Yeah, and it's like, hey, there's no secret about it, baby cakes. <laughs> yep, and then immediately sees the gun and squeals. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so the guy that had been guarding the book has now killed himself, which yeah. implies he's read it at some point, and they see another portal. But this time there's no figure in the portal because the figure is approaching the doctor. Yes. Okay, so we know he's in for a bad time. Mm-hmm. We flash back to the doctor and Missy and her execution where she says, you know, I'll be good, I am your friend. Yes. And sadly, he kills her. Yeah. And says, well, I'll guard her for a thousand years. Well, R.I.P. Missy. Yeah. She had a good innings, but that you know we've She's gone as soon as she came. Yeah, that's really you know that's the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And having stepped through the portal, Bill and Nardole are inside the Pentagon. <laughs> yes. Okay, but they don't stay very long because there's actually a network of portals using alien technology. I, I do love that scene when they're on the Pentagon, <laughs> where they're just like, the, the lady is just like, do, do you have clearance? And they're like, clearance for what? <laughs> yeah. The Pentagon? <laughs> yeah, it's it's really, it's a re- Yeah, it's an interesting idea, this. It's just portals to all of these, like, huge, major parts of of the world Mm. you know secret organizations and things um i feel it's almost like that could have been an episode in itself Mm. but it's again it's it's an it's a big huge idea that's kind of brought in and then and then then tossed away 
in 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 ten minutes. But uh, yeah. Okay, so they venture through another portal that takes them to CERN. Yes. Okay. Now the Doctor has used a device to grant himself temporary sight. Yeah. He says at the cost of some of his future. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't know what form that's going to take. Yeah. You know, he says in the future he may have other ailments like, you know, possible blindness or running out of regenerations or worst of all, turning into a woman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not going to bite. You didn't bite. You didn't, didn't bite. bite. Okay. So he begins to read the Veritas. But the alien that was approaching him is some sort of weird zombie monk. Yep. They, yeah, they're just re- referred to in, in the production as the monks. Do you, do you want my prediction? Go on. That they are the same monks that were executing Missy, and it's all going to be linked somehow. Ah, good prediction. Okay, although they had different coloured robes. Yeah. Are they, yeah. Are, I mean, are they? I think also, credit where credit's due to the makeup and costume department, they are so creepy looking. Yeah. One of the most just like immediately horrifying monster designs I think we've ever seen in Doctor Who. Yeah, certainly. Certainly disturbing, isn't it? Mm. I'm not sure what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. Yeah. Okay. So the Doctor manages to turn off all the lights and escapes with the laptop. Uh, CERN, back at CERN. We realise there is five minutes until it explodes. All the tables are rigged with loads of explosions. Mm. Explosive, sorry. And I really like the performance of the like lead scientist guy who's just swigging out of a wine bottle and uh, just kind of gleefully counting down. I, I think it's a really good... I think he makes those scenes what they are. Probably yeah. my highlight of the, of the episode, to be honest... You know, when he gets to the point of telling Bill and Nardole to pick a number and banging the table, and that mm. the, that the execution of that whole reveal, I think, is really well done. Okay, so the Doctor's vision begins to fail as he reads Veritas, so he looks to escape through one of the portals. Yeah. Okay. And this is where we get the reveal that the CERN scientists want to die. They want to see the end Mm -hmm. because the world is not real. Mm -hmm. And this is where we get the shadow test on Bill and Nardo. Yeah. Okay. So he asks them to think of a number and they continue to recite the same number. When he invites the whole room in tandem, everyone's just reciting the same number over and over. Really simple, mad, creepy. Like that to me, that's like prime Moffat. You know what I mean? That's the kind of thing that I feel like only his brain could come up with. I mean, on a on a computer science level, I don't think it makes a lick of sense. No. I'm pretty sure if he wanted to program, write a program that actually generates random numbers, that's probably not a hard thing to do at all. No, but. <laughs> But for the purposes of this story, I think it works really well. Yeah. Um, so Bill and Nardole escape back through the portal. And this time they see droplets of blood. Yeah. Okay. Now Nardole works out that the portals aren't really portals. They are projectors, as it were. They're creating 
like simulations of the environments they claim to. Mm -hmm. So he says what we should be interested in is if we move behind the projectors, what's behind the projection, okay? Mm -hmm. If we step outside of what's been shown. Yeah. And as he does, he begins to disintegrate. Yeah. Because he is part of the projection, part of the hologram, part of the simulation. Poor old Nardo. Yeah. Um, so Bill attempts to do the same, mm -hmm. but then thinks better of it in case she is part of the simulation. Mm -hmm. And one thing we haven't mentioned uh, that I did want to mention is I really like Bill's outfit in this episode. Yeah. I mean, all, that... all the way through, because she's got all dolled up for her date, hasn't she? Yeah. So she's very glam all the way through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just genuinely, I, w I would say Bill has probably got, like, I don't know how much say Pearl Mackie had in Bill's outfits or whatever, but I'd say Bill has probably some of the best fashion sense of any of the New Who companions we've seen. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'd, I'd yeah go with that it's like it's 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 slightly quirky but quite quite down to earth as well mm -hmm. so bill goes through one of the portals which takes her to the white house mm -hmm. and it turns out the president had read veritas he's there and there's pills on the floor so we can work out what's happened and the doctor claims he has listened to veritas he's had text to speech read the story to him. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, it turns out it is instructions or an explanation that it, Veritas is a shadow world. Mm -hmm. It is a simulation created by ancient demons for them to practice conquering the Earth. Mm. Okay. So, what we've got here is a modern interpretation where aliens have created a simulation so that they can practice conquering and taking over the Earth. Yeah. Okay. And as a result of that, it means that the Doctor and Bill are part of this, part of the simulation. Yep. Okay. It must it must be a pretty good in-depth simulation. Like, you know, they talk about when you kill people in video games, but when, I, when I'm ransacking people on Grand Theft Auto, I don't think, oh, they've got a wife and kids. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah. I mean, Moffat attempts to kind of needle um, the viewer with with that idea. You know, the Doctor says, "Well, now you know. You know, all those people you shoot in video games, they feel it." And like, yeah. I mean, they don't though, do they, Moffat? Come on. I don't know. I've uh, committed absolute genocide in the uh, in the Mushroom Kingdom. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. I think I feel maybe like all the Coopers have got like wanted posters of me on the wall. Perhaps this is me being cynical, but I feel it comes across a little bit like you know, old man tutting about young people in their video games. Mm, Do you know what very I mean? Much so. It's just you know. Yeah. It's a bit. It's video games written by somebody who has no concept of video games. Yes, yeah. It's so weird as well to hear the Doctor referencing Grand Theft Auto and Super Mario. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, usually any pop culture references he makes are very dated, aren't they? Yeah, and it, that's the thing. It, it kind of... 
I don't know what the difference is, but like when he's referring to something slightly out of date or slightly obscure, it's like it feels charming and, and stuff. But, but there's something about him just, yeah, being like, oh, yeah, it's like Super Mario deleted himself from the game. It's like, what? What, what are you talking about, Doctor? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yes. Okay. So, uh, suicide is ending the game. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can choose to withdraw yourself from the game mm-hmm. by your simulant killing itself. Yeah. Okay. Now, as this information is shared, Bill is deleted by one of the alien monks. Yeah. She knows too much. Okay. So the monk tells the doctor that they do plan to invade, mm-hmm. and that'll be happening sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. But the doctor promises to stand in their way. Mm-hmm. So even though this is an avatar of the Doctor within this simulation, he realises that if he's within a computer, all computers have an ability to email. Yep. Not, te- not technically true, though, is no, it? They need, at no. the very least, they need an internet connection. Yeah. You know, you need an, and some kind of browser or, or email client... Um, yeah, there's a lot of potential barriers there. But anyway, the Doctor's okay. got his magic sunglasses, so it's yeah. fine. So he uses the sonic sunglasses to email everything that's happened in this simulation to his real-world counterpart. Because mm-hmm. it turns out there hasn't really been any flashbacks, flash-forwards in this. Okay, It's just two separate Doctors. Mm-hmm. So back in the real world, the Doctor calls Bill. And asks whether she knows a girl called Penny or not. Yeah. Bill says, oh, I do, but she's out of my league. And the Doctor basically says, look, just go for it. Go have a date because something big and bad's coming and we're going to be pretty busy. So, you know, have a night of fun, but it's all going to boot off soon. Okay. Quite a cool note to end on there, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you know, the Doctor kind of just rolling his sleeves up. Yeah. It's almost like, you know... I know that we've had adventures this season, mm. but it's almost like we haven't had the adventurous Doctor because he's too busy guarding the vault. Yeah, he's been kind of like... Up until now, it's been sort of dipping a toe. Mm. And this feels like, oh no, shit's coming down, you know. Mm. Um, you just watch your language, please. Sorry. <laughs> right, so the episode ends with... Back with the Doctor and Missy. Missy kind of wakes up a little bit. She's just really tired after Mm -hmm. being executed because the Doctor had tampered with the machine and he says, I swore an oath to guard her body. I didn't specify whether it needed to be dead or alive. Aha. Cheeky little workaround there, Doctor. Yeah. So we've got Missy in the vault. Mm -hmm. We get the feeling the Doctor's going to free her to aid him in whatever it is that's coming. So pretty good setup. Maybe that's why I enjoyed this episode. Maybe I enjoy the idea of where it's going rather than where it's been. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I purposely didn't tell you that we're actually headed for a two-parter. But there you go. What have we got coming up next? So next week is part two, The Pyramid at the End of the World. All right, I wonder what that's about. Probably a pyramid. Mm, The end of the world. I was going to say, I wonder where that pyramid is. Antarctica, maybe? If you had to stick a pin in a map and say that's the end of the world, 
Uh, hold on. Let me just pull up a, a world map. And I'll give you a decisive answer. Okay. Right. I'm going to say, hold on. Let me just open this image so it's a bit clearer. I'm going to say that the world ends probably around... Do you know what? England are playing them in the football later. Probably around the Ukraine. <laughs> uh, of course, bring it if you in go back west, to that. If, if you go west, obviously you've got Northern and Central America. Mm -hmm. I'd count that part of the world. Yeah. Uh, South America, I'm a little bit hazy on. Uh, you know, Europe is what I know most about. Africa. And I know a little bit about, like, Australia and China, but there's kind of bit in the middle. You know, where you've got your Irans and your Kazakhstans and, you know, bloody Russia, that can do one. <laughs> Hear that, Putin? That's you told. Yeah, bloody Putin probably will be the end of the bloody world, yeah, the way he goes about his business. Uh, let's, you know, let's keep politics out of podcasting, though, eh? Yeah, definitely. All right, then. Well, do join us next week, listeners, when we will be discussing the pyramid at the end of the world. But until then... As always, thank you so much for listening, and cheerio! Bye now! Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.